0: great to see each and every one of you here today. My name is Pastor Todd, along with my wife, Jan. We are the lead pastors here at Eastside City Church, and we are so glad that you're here with us today. I hope that you've all had a great summer. Who here has had a great summer? Your summer was awesome. It was full of life and activities. Awesome. Now, I know the weather was a little bit suspect this year, I get it, Um, but unfortunately, Or fortunately, depending on your perspective, we are now jumping into fall. Who loves the fall? That's like your season. That's you love the trees changing, all that stuff. Awesome. Well, before I dive into my message today, I want to remind you of a couple things that are going on. Again, after this service today, if you're a volunteer or a leader, we will be having team train. And that's for you to hear what's going to happen in this next season of our church journey, uh, equip you, encourage you, even maybe minister to you today. I want to invite you to come here. That will start at 1.30. So if you can help us clear out chairs and all that after the service, we would appreciate it. And I'm also excited That all church prayer is moving from Wednesday night to Monday night. And I I just want to encourage you. A new time, uh, or it's on a different day at the same time. But we're going to have a little bit of a different focus. So maybe you haven't come for a while. I want to encourage you at 7.15 to come check out what we're doing. Because I believe this, that as we grow in prayer, we will grow in unity. And we're going to see God move in a more powerful way. You can be a part of that. Amen. Well, as you can see from this announcement, fall is a season of change. The end of summer break, students who hear sad about the end of summer break, can I give it a boo? The return of kids to school, parents are going, yeah! This is a great time. Warm days and cool nights, which means mostly sunny days, but sometimes you can have some frost in the morning you got to watch out for. Fall means trees beginning to change colors, revealing the tapestry and beauty of the fall. But it also means that you're going to have more leaves to rake. Uh, You know, it's a little bit more work. There's some challenges. Now, football season now is in full go. Hey, I like football. Um, But hockey season is also just around the corner. Maybe that's your thing. Now, some of these things, listen to this, some of these things we look forward to more than others. And that's the challenging that we face with transition. Now, as I look forward to the fall, for me, now maybe I'm a little bit weird, maybe I'm a little bit crazy, but for me, it is the start of a new year. Uh, uh, for as long as I can remember, I've always felt like with school beginning, I guess it's because my kids have always gone to school, that, that this is when things really start anew. Now, I know there's that date in January, or in January 1st. It's a positive date. I celebrate that too. But it's not the same for me as this time of year. Now, there are things that we can count on they are pretty much the same, but then there are things that are different whenever the fall starts. For me, for example, my daughter, I cannot believe this, has just started going to college. How did that happen? Where... Where did the time go? I just remember her going to kindergarten, and now she's in college, and my son is starting high school. Um, Certain things are familiar, but other things constantly change. Now, as we dive into September, I'm hopeful and excited about what God is going to do in this next season of your life and in our church life. To start off, though, I want to remind you who we are as a church. Now, if you're new here, you've probably saw the the statement behind me, Becoming Church Together. It's on the back of my shirt. You you see people with this logo. Well, why did we come up with that? What does it really mean? Well, here's why Eastside City Church has chosen to make this our slogan. First of all, we believe this, that we are the church, his people, a representative of Jesus, the hope of the world. I believe this today, that the way that people come to know Jesus is through his community, his people, the church, which is you and I. So it takes us together making this happen. Secondly, we believe that this is what we're called to do, that we are people desiring to be more like Jesus, even though we have not reached our full potential, who here would say today that you have some things in your life where you're still growing, you're still moving forward? Well, I believe this that when it comes to growing as a church and growing together, that there are things that we're still not quite there, but we're moving in that direction. Lastly, we believe that the way that we grow, the way that we mature, the best way that this happen, happens is that we do so in community. Because we need each other to grow and mature. And life, isn't it true, life is best experienced when you do life with other people. Am I not right? You know, we could do things alone, but it's just better when it's done together. So an offshoot of this that we've kind of used as part of our church slogan, just so that you're aware of this, is the statement, becoming family together. You see, I believe this, that church really is called to be a family, That you, when you make a decision to make Jesus the the center of your life, you are now not just yourself as an individual, but you're joining with a whole bunch of believers all over the world. In fact, also within our community here. So we believe that we have not arrived as a church, but we are moving forward. That we are not perfect. Who here knows we're not perfect? I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, but together we're being perfected. That's a beautiful thing. But church is best experienced as family. Now, I started kind of this thought last week, but I kind of want to take it deeper today. Who here knows that when you start talking about family, and you maybe even think about your own family, that family can be a little bit crazy. You know, is your family got some crazy people in it? Maybe, maybe, like me, you're the crazy person. You know, if people were to vote, they would maybe say, you are the craziest person in your family. But isn't that what makes life fun and exciting and interesting that we kind of, we're not all the same. That some of us, we've we got a few things to work on. Family can be messy. Who here knows that it? it's with family that we kind of sometimes show our good side and our not-so-good side, that, that there are things that go on in family that, that should stay in your family, if you know what I mean, that, that, that family at times can be messy, that we're not always at our best, but when you're with family, you still know that you'll be loved and cared for and appreciated. Now, this last one is something that I know that I relate to because it's part of my life. Family sometimes also can be broken. You know, we've experienced maybe some pain in our lives through broken relationships, divorce, or or people that have said they were going to be a part of our life that are no longer a part of our life. Sometimes we deal with things that are broken, but it still makes us who we are. You see, growing up, I was part of a broken, or what people like to refer to today, a blended family. You see, I, I, I've shared this before, but my family you know when we came to look at it and to measure it and to define it i would say this that i do not have a family tree it's more like a family bush you see that's what happens when your mom and your stepdad have both been married three times it's just kind of kind of the way things go because of that i have one full sister two half-brothers, three stepbrothers, and a stepsister. So this made for some crazy and interesting holiday times. In fact, my mom and the, the man she's married to, that she's been married to for over 20-plus 20 years, 25 years, um, uh, when they first got married, I was about 19 years old. And I remember even showing up at Christmas and going like stuff like, so what's your name again? You know, I'm, I'm not quite sure who you are, but hey, <laughs> glad to meet you. It's a wonderful thing. When Jan and I were in the process of going through marriage counseling, one of the assignments that we were given was to create a family tree. And and what was interesting as we went through this, uh, I I think my wife knew that things were messy, but I don't think she realized just how messy uh, my life was. Um, It was so that she could get to know me more and my family more. Now, messy or not, I got to say this, it was the family I grew up in that shaped who I was, and even who I am today. I did not choose my family, but my family was chosen for me. And I know when I say these things, sometimes because of the difficulties and the hurt, it cannot, this isn't always an easy thing to talk about. But today I want to talk about our family, God's family, Eastside City Church as a family. I want to start a new series that we're going to be going through for the rest of September. And we're going to call this series, wait for it, Instant Family. Now, if you've seen the movie, who here has seen the movie Instant Family? You know what I'm talking about. For others, it's something you may want to see, and I'll give you a little bit of a heads up here before you do that. But Instant Family, to keep it simple, is about people who are in the process of fostering kids and then deciding whether or not they're going to make them part of their forever family. It's an incredible story that is is very raw, it's very real, they had some comedy, even though some of it can be crude, so I want to warn you, if you go out today and you're like, I'm going to watch that on Netflix, because it is on Netflix right now, don't be surprised if there's a little vulgar crudeness to it, Uh, it may not be appropriate for you or other members of your family, but the gist of this is that this is what we see happening in the world around us today. And I want to say this before I jump into the meat of my message, that I want to give a big shout out to those who today are foster parents and those who have adopted a deserving child. I want to say this today, you are all heroes in my book. And even more importantly, I believe there's a special bit of favor in God's eyes for you, for what you are willing to do. Let's give them a hand today. Why this topic as we jump into fall? Because I believe this, and it was funny that as I began to think about it, it became clear and clear that if you are a follower of Jesus or have been adopted, or, or that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been adopted into the family of God. And because of This, we experience some incredible benefits, but also some unique challenges. If we understand the benefits as well as the responsibilities that go with our family, we can and will experience a full and satisfying life. Now, I know that this thought of adoption wasn't my idea. It was actually God's idea. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, the Apostle Paul shares this scripture when he's talking about the inheritance that believers have in Jesus Christ. And this is what he says For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. What makes church family so crazy good is that we have all been adopted by God through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's through his blood that we are connected. It's through his blood that we now have this ability to have relationship with each other regardless of our backgrounds, our race, our origin, our our finances, regardless of of our gender. It doesn't matter. We're joined together by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, we've grown up with different parents. Some we have known, others maybe we have not. We have different siblings, some older, some younger. And and those of us that have everything in between. But when we give our lives to Jesus, the Bible says that we inherit a new family, a much bigger family. I want you to look around today here in this service. This is your family. This is part of your family. This is part of who we are. We're in this together. Now we need to understand this. Now this might be a little bit shocking for some here today. I got to say this. Not everyone on the planet is a child of God. You know there's a some talked out there that well, this every but we're all God's children. That's not true. Here's what is true. We have all been created in God's image. That God's handprint is on our life. But it's only through receiving Jesus through the shedding of his blood that we are reborn and then become children of God. See, salvation, when we use the word salvation, what does salvation mean? Salvation is a rebirthing or what is often called being born again. For a lot of my lifetime, we were called born agains. So whenever people talk about, are you one of those born again people? Why? Because we believe this. We were born once from our mothers, and secondly, as a follower of Jesus, we are reborn through the washing of our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now we know this rebirthing is symbolized through water baptism as our old nature or our old man or old woman is buried in the water and a new man or woman and a new nature rises up from the water. You see, in a couple, or at the beginning of October, we are going to have a water baptism service. Why do we do it? Because it's an identification that of, of, for our lives, saying, you know what, my old life, I want to bury it, but I want to rise again in my new life, identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, if you haven't done it, to take that opportunity. Now, the family... That I'm talking about today, our church family, our, uh, our, our God family has different benefits and different expectations as well as different challenges compared to our natural family. What are some of the benefits of being born again in Jesus Christ? Well, first of all, here's the number one. God becomes our father. I got to say this. God becomes our father. God is the best dad. Why? Because he gives us unconditional love. You know, one of the things that we search for in life is unconditional love. Well, God promises us when we turn our lives over to him that he will give us unconditional love. I want to say this, that God believes in you, that God has good plans for you, that God has promises for you, that God desires to to show you and reveal more of himself to you, that God wants your life to be full of goodness and favor and grace and all the good things that that the world that he has to offer. Secondly, the benefits of this new life in Jesus are that we have a rich inheritance. Not only do we receive in, in, eternal life, but we have access to incredible flavor, f- flavor, favor and blessings. Maybe it's flavor to you. Peace, joy and supernatural provision and so much more. We are able to walk in his power and authority. Come on, God endows us with his power and his authority that we can lay hands on the sick and they can be healed. I watched people getting touched here today, this morning, at the altar because God's power was being manifested through his servants, his people, praying for one another. God gives us authority to to cast down demonic powers and influences. You see, God gives us these things because we are his children. And he provides, thirdly, a relationship with Jesus. That Jesus is with us wherever we go. That we never are alone. That he says in his word he will never leave us nor forsake us because He's like our big brother who will provide protection for us. When the bullies of life are coming against us, we can turn to Jesus and he will go before you. He advocates on your behalf before the throne of God. But who knows, there's also some challenges when I talk about this big family that we're a part of. Challenge number one is this, that when we come to know Jesus, we start off as strangers I don't all know you as well as I could. You don't know me. Maybe you do, but it's through time that we begin to know each other. But when we don't know people and when we don't know those around us, things can be a little bit scary. You know, are people going to accept me? Are they going to reject me? Am I going to like them? Are they going to like me? Am I weird? Are they weird? You know, you start to have all sorts of questions. But you know what? Regardless of all of that, God's with us. The second challenge that we face is because we've been adopted and we come from different families and we were raised differently, we bring different attitudes, perspective, and expectations into our relationships, we each have different value systems. You know, we could talk about different things like, politics, which I'm not going to do today. Who's thankful for that? I'm not going to go down that road. But if I were to pull you and talk about whether you think this leader is good or that leader is good or this political party is doing the right thing or that one's doing the right thing, who here knows we'd have a lot of different opinions. But Sometimes we think our opinion is the only opinion, and because we have our own biases in the way that we came through life, it sometimes causes friction and difficulties in our relationships. Yet we're still family. Lastly, we all have issues that we're working on. We all have stuff in our lives that God is still working out his good will in our lives that he's dealing with and he's challenging us with. Who here would say, you know that I'm right, that, that is, even though maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, there's still stuff that you got to deal with. There's still things that he's revealing to you. There's still things that you you know that you need to get better at. And I hate to tell you this, but... It's something that you're going to have to work through your whole life because even though we've been redeemed, we're still being sanctified by the blood of the Lamb, that he's still cleansing us and purifying us and revealing different things to us. You know, I used to have a false belief when I was younger. I thought when I was first saved, I was, as I was a teenager, I was about 16, 17 years old, I figured this, that by the time I was 25, I'd have it all worked out. Wouldn't struggle with stuff. I wouldn't have issues in my life anymore. Uh, that I would just—it would just be good. But what I've learned is that as I graduate, God helps me get stronger in one area. Then He reveals to me something else that I need to work on. Well, the issue is is all the people around you have the same things, maybe different things, but they're working on stuff themselves, and sometimes. Our weaknesses don't always work out so well in those moments of time, but God's here to help us. Yeah. If church is best experienced as a family and we've been adopted into God's family, then what does that mean for us? What should, how should we respond? Well, I believe this today. And I'm going to say some things that might challenge you a little bit. As we start off 2019, 2020, as we're diving into the fall, I believe there's some things that God wants to challenge you in the way that you look at your church community that you're a part of. First of all, I believe this, that if we understand who God is and who we are, is it possible to believe that maybe God places us specifically in the right church family? if we didn't get to choose our natural family, if we, if we didn't get to choose our mom or our dad and our brothers and our sisters, and, and somehow we, we had to work with them, could it be possible that God maybe somehow knows what he's doing and he puts you in the church family that he wants you to be a part of? If God created the universe with the word, if God knows the number of the hairs on your head, which I have much fewer than I used to, If God knows every step you will take in your life, is it possible that God knows the community of people he has called you to give your life to? That he's placed around you people who will help you grow and mature so that you can reach your full potential. That as we engage in relationship with each other, we discover what will bring us the greatest peace and joy. And are you ready for this? Serving other people. You know, I've learned that serving others is what brings joy, but it starts from committing myself to those who are around me. One of the things I've learned again, I mean, I've known this, that trees flourish best when they're firmly planted. Well, why is it important for a tree to be firmly planted? Well, I've got to be honest with you that uh, uh, I have a tree that I bought Uh, a few months ago, that I failed to plant. And some things have kind of happened with the tree. I mean, I've put it outside. Uh, For quite a while, I watered it. I say quite a while because I went on vacation, thought I had that the tree was going to be watered, but it went three weeks without watering it when it was 35 degrees. And guess what happened to the tree? I still have a tree, it's not a living tree, it's a testament of what a tree could look like, but also what would happen is at times we'd get some thunderstorms and windstorms and because I didn't have it planted in the ground, what would happen? I'd come outside and the tree would be knocked over and I'd get up the next morning, set the tree up, put some water in it, come back the next day, the tree would be knocked over again. It was kind of this routine. Who here knows that trees are not supposed to be knocked over again and put up and knocked over again and put back together? that a good, healthy tree gets planted so that its roots go down and so that when the storms come and the rains come and the drought even comes, those roots are thick and it can survive. Because ultimately, when the tree is planted, it will produce fruit. I believe this. God wants each one of us to be fruitful. That God wants us to be able to withstand the storms that life is going to throw at us. Both the seasons of the floods and the the rains and even sometimes it's goodness and abundance can be so much it's hard to contain. But there's other times in your life where you feel like you're experiencing a drought. God still wants you to produce fruit. I believe the most fruitful people are those who are most connected to their church family. Each one of us needs two significant things for connection in our lives and to our church family. First of all, we need strong relationships. I want to tell you that I'm believing this year that your relationships with other people, the people that are sitting right next to you, the people that are sitting behind you, maybe some that are sitting in front of you, God wants to strengthen your relationships with them. That the idea behind church community is that we would grow together in relationship. That's the first thing. The second thing that I believe everybody has to have in their life is a place of responsibility. That each one of us needs a job to do. Something that we're committed to, that we're connected to, where we're giving of ourselves and serving other people. That that's part of building deeper connection. That's part of letting your roots go down. Because if we're missing one or both of these things, we will eventually feel disconnection. And eventually, we'll get blown over or blown out or we'll move on. And we'll look for that in the next place that we go. But until those roots go down, whether it's here or there or somewhere else or in another church, you will not find that connection. The second thing I want to share with you about this today is that growing means embracing the family God has given you. I got to share this one. That the story that I shared earlier about my crazy blended family. Well, I remember one family member was not really feeling the whole new family thing. Again, like I said, I was 19 years old. Some of them were, I have another brother that was uh, one week older than me. I have some that were 18 and 17, and we were all relatively close in age. And, and, And there was one of my family members who just wasn't quite feeling this new shift. And so we would come together, and I would go over to the house, and it, you, you know when you're—you're you're, there's some things that people do that are kind of subtle, you kind of wonder if they don't like you or they don't want you around? And then there's others that are like really obvious, um, like they didn't want to join the family, stuff like never came out of their room. I mean, we'd see crumbs that there had been movement here, that there's maybe some eating that went on. There seemed to be movement here and there. Uh, Avoided conversations at all costs. Did nothing to contribute to the rest of the family. They did not want anything to do with the rest of us, and we all knew it. They were unwilling to embrace the new family. See, being part of of a family means embracing the family. Here's what I've learned about life. Nobody can force us to do anything. Nobody can force you or me to do anything. It's not a secret if you know me, and I'm going to share something about my life here that's just going to add another layer to you knowing me. If you know me, I do not like mustard. I hate mustard. Do I have any other mustard haters in here today? Hallelujah, you're holy anointed. No, I'm just kidding. I do not like mustard. And when I was young, my parents would sometimes make a sandwich and forget about this, and they'd put mustard on it, or they'd buy me a hamburger, and it would have some mustard on it. And, and, and they, they would be like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Just eat the sandwich or the hamburger. It's just a little mustard. Or my favorite is you can just wipe it off you cannot wipe off the mustard. It stains everything. It's there. It, it, it's, oh. And I have a supernatural sense. I can taste trace amounts of mustard and stuff. And they would do things like, you are going to eat the mustard, and nothing they would do would ever make me eat it. They could threaten me with weeks of grounding, and I'd say, bring it on. <laughs> they would tell me you were going to get a spanking, and I'd say, give me more. <laughs> nothing they presented was going to her. I would not eat the mustard. Well, you know, the acorn doesn't fall too far from the tree, Because when my son was four years old, I experienced this in his life. It wasn't about mustard. It happened to be Christmas time. You know, Christmas is a great time. And he'd received two gifts from his grandparents. One that he loved and one, the Bible talks about people like this, that was unloved. It wasn't liked at all. The gift that he loved, in fact, in his words, the gift that was unloved was considered ridiculous. He's four years old. The gift that he loved was a remote-controlled truck. He thought that was the most awesome thing. He couldn't wait to play with it. We couldn't get the batteries in it fast enough. It was something that he was excited about. The unloved gift was a warm Calgary Flames toque. Now, it has, has nothing to do with the Flames. He is now a Flames fan. When he was four years old, he didn't care about that stuff. He just did not want to wear a toque. And it didn't matter how much people tried, coerced him. The toque was not going on his head. Now, things became a little bit tense for a little bit. So tense that one of the family members, that might have been the grandparent, but I'm not going to mention their names here today, said to him, if you don't put on the toque, We're going to take the remote control truck back to the store. And guess what his response was? When do you want to leave? (laughs) I will go with you. He said this. The toque was not going to be warm. Nobody can force you to do anything. Anything. Here's what I've learned. Nobody can force us to embrace the people around us. We always have a choice. God's way, God's plan, God's purpose, when it comes to our lives and the way that we live our lives is that we always get a choice of whether or not we will do what he's asked us to do. There are consequences to our choices. There are benefits to some of our choices, but we always have a choice. When it comes to church life, Nobody can force you to get involved. Nobody can make you volunteer in an area. Nobody can say you have to attend that permitting. They can say it, but that doesn't mean you will do it. Nobody can force you to join a small group or consistently engage in church relationships or activities. Nobody, nobody, nobody can make you do it. But I can tell you this, that both your life and the lives of the people around you each benefit when you embrace family activities and relationships. You see, I've learned over the years that passionate involvement creates deeper connections in our relationships both with God and each other. Why? Because this is what we were created to do. Are you hearing me today? Yeah. Is, is what I'm saying making some sense? Is there some maybe some truth that's being poured out here? So why do we sometimes struggle to embrace church family? Well, this is the obvious one. We talk about this in a lot of things of like, why don't we pray? Why don't we read our Bible? Because life is really busy. I gotta be honest. Life is busy, and I, I and I say this. I know that from my parents' generation to my generation. Things have gotten even busier. Uh, With the economy the way it is, we got many times. Parents not only working one job, some of you are working multiple jobs. I know people that are working three jobs just to kind of take care of things. Time becomes very difficult. Then you pour on to it. You've got kids that have activities and things that they need to do with school and sports and social events and, 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 my goodness, to think if you have any sort of a life outside of it, and when do you clean your house and mow your grass and plant a tree in your front yard? We can be really busy, but I want to encourage you to push in to these things that I'm talking about, to push in maybe a little bit more. What can you give yourself to a little bit more when it comes to your relationships with people and the activities that surround serving God's community? Sometimes we struggle to embrace church family because we've been hurt before. I wish, I wish I could promise that you will not get hurt by people at church. For some of you, I wish I could just come and hug all of the wounds away that maybe you face from people, even leaders. And I I wish that even I was so perfect that I didn't hurt anybody in my walking together with them in relationship. But the reality is this, the closer that we grow to each other, there are going to be times and things because of our weaknesses and our insecurities and the things that we're working on that hurt and pain happens. And I don't want to minimize it. But can I say this? I also don't want to maximize it because I believe that God has provided a way for us to be healed. God has given us the ability to forgive. And if you need to work things out and you need to talk with some leaders to help you walk through some things, please do it because I'm believing that the way that you're going to experience the full measure of what God has for you is through relationship with people, real relationship. Lastly, we don't always... (laughs) Embrace church family because we're afraid of commitment. What does that mean? What if, what if I commit? What does it mean? Am I going to have to give my whole life to it? Because maybe you've watched people around you that are, they're, they're, that you, you know, there can be church workaholics. I've seen them, I are one of them at times where you just watch and everything, every night, every day, every event, everything, and they're stressed out and they're maxed out, and what ends up happening is they get burned out, and I'm here to tell you that we still need balance in our life. But that's not a good enough reason for you not to dive in a little bit more because I believe this, if God calls us to something, he'll give us the grace to do what he's called us to do, that he gives us the help to do that. And, and and doesn't many hands anyways make the work light? To move forward as a church family means embracing the family. There are people in this family, I gotta say this, and I want Margot to come up here, there are people in this family who are waiting for you to help them grow and mature. Notice how I didn't say, well, You need people to come and wait on you. I believe we should be welcoming and caring, but the impetus and the responsibility starts with us. What can you do? How can you embrace your family more? I believe this this year. I want to encourage you. I want you to pray about this as I'm talking. For some of you, maybe the step that you need to make is to get involved in a place of service. There are so many things that you can do. I don't know what your skill set is, but God does and you do. Maybe for you, it's, it's saying, you know what, I want to help clean up the, the nursery once a month. Maybe for some of you, the, the step of service is saying, you know what, I could pray for people at the front. Maybe for some of you, it's just, there's a hundred different things that's serving in kids' church for this time and that time. But God is saying, get involved in a place of service. Secondly, join with others in prayer, Bible night, celebrate recovery and more. Maybe you're feeling like, man, I've got some weaknesses in my life. I'm, I, I'm not very strong in, in, in prayer. Or I don't know how to read my Bible properly. Or, or I've got some hurts or habits or hang-ups. And what I'm here, stay here to tell you is that there are things within this community that you can join that will help you. If you want to pray more, get with stronger prayer people. If you want to read the Bible more, get with people who know how to read the Bible more. If you want to deal with issues in your life, I, I don't know if you understand this, but celebrate recovery. It's not just about addiction. It's not just about this. It's about anything that you feel like is hanging you up in your life. Be somebody that says, I'm willing to open up myself because I want God to take care of this. I want God to deal with it. Number three, make Sunday a bigger priority. The trends in churchdom today are people are attending church less often. I get it. We all need our holidays. We need our vacations. Man, I took almost a month this summer. It was awesome. It was refreshing. You need to do those things. But I want to encourage you that when you're here, make a point to be here, to join with your brothers and sisters as we worship God. There's just something about worshiping God together that that when there's more people here, it's just like you can feel that strength. There's also people that are here that are looking for what you have, your grace, your encouragement, your smile, your love, your, your, the, the words of knowledge that God places in you, that those things happen when we're together. This is something that I want to encourage you. Make Sunday morning a bigger priority. If you only come every once in a while, start coming once a month. If you only come once a month, move it to twice a month. Whatever it is that's that next step for you, I want to encourage you to do it. Lastly, engage with people in a small group. I call it the family within the family. That there are different tribes, there are different people that are here, there are different groups that have different areas of of, of ministry, different geographical locations. There are people that are looking for you to join with them so that they can grow and mature and become everything God's called them to be. And as you join together, God's going to help you grow and mature and become everything God's called you to be. It's opportunities to grow and develop our talents that God has given us. In Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, David writes this. He says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Listen to this, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, In all he does, he prospers. My prayer for you, that God wants to prosper your life. He wants to prosper your soul. He wants you to experience more peace and joy. He wants to provide for you and your relationships. He wants to fill those empty areas. And yes, God is a God who has provision for us materially when we put our trust in Him. I believe that God helps us and strengthens us, but it's more about prospering us in our relationships.